Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Take that tape from you. If it's unsolicited, I can't touch it. It's not easy to break into the music business, but these three guys. What's your secret code? I can't tell you my code. Just found a way. You guys are a unsigned band, and you broke into the radio station to get your demo played on the air. <laughs> I just feel a little goofy with a water pistol. They don't know it's a water pistol. They think it's real. Whoops. Look, all I want to do is be heard, and then we're out of here. Okay, who are you guys? My name's Pip. The band. The band name. Sorry about that. Oh, man, look at the demo's wasted. Well, what are we going to do now? Run! Hello, police. I'm surrounded. I don't want to go to jail. I'm fragile. Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch old movies and see how they hold up in the modern eye. That's so rock and roll, man. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is Blaine Hellcat Waters. Hellcat. Yeah, I don't. I really did. That was a last minute decision, dude. That's rock and roll. I thought so. You improvised, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> We're here, as always, to talk about a movie, but before we get into that, first of all, we want to thank our Patreons. Those are the people who give us a little bit of money each month. Mm-hmm. One, three, five dollars. Yeah, the price of a coffee a day per month can go towards our podcast. Well, I'm not giving up coffee. <laughs> <laughs> or pocket change, or the stuff in between your cushions. Yeah, and if you're a Patreon, you get some good stuff in return. Mm-hmm. You get the podcast early. And ad-free. And ad-free. And every time we have the time to do a, uh, a podcast just for you, we we do. So you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and find some podcasts that are just for Patreons there. Yes. Now today, <laughs> we're talking about Airheads, the 1994 movie. Candy. Oh, movie. <laughs> you said candy? Yeah, I thought you were talking about the, the candy. Right, there was a candy. Yes. There's a they, they, you, It's a taffy. Blaine, please tell me you watched the movie and didn't just gorge yourself on sweets. <laughs> My tongue is, is green right now because I've just eaten so many of them. It's gout. I don't know. Cut that out. That's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really have gout? Is no. that something that you want to announce on the podcast? <laughs> that you're a gout no, survivor? No, it was gangrene is what I was thinking of. I don't know why I went gout. Oh, man, that's dark. My grandpa's leg got cut off because of gangrene. Jesus. Wow, you're really bringing it all back. <laughs> God damn. Let's talk about Airheads. <laughs> the candy? No, the 1994 movie. Okay, Blaine. Starring Adam Sandler. Yes. 
Steve Buscemi and Brendan the Mummy Fraser. That's right. It's like an all-star cast. Blaine, when was the first time that you saw Airheads? I saw this was I think this was a sleepover movie, Rob. Oh I yeah. Know, I know you, you like to make fun of the sleepovers I used to have with my friends watching movies, but this was one of the movies that we watched together. And I think we might have been eating the candy airheads at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. We liked Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. We uh you know, thought we knew what music was. Right. And uh and I I, I still listen to Blink One Eight Two, so maybe I, I still don't know what music is. Right. But yeah, we, we loved it at the time because it was just fun, irreverent. I think it was kind of geared towards our age demographic, which mm-hmm. is like thirteen, fourteen, somewhere in there. Right. And uh yeah, I, I, we, we thought it was kind of just this, this fun, silly send-up of a lot of other movies that we had seen as well. So, nice. Yeah. So when did you first see it? Uh, I don't remember when I first saw it, but it definitely played a lot, uh, you know, in front of my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing, like, some sort of um, clockwork orange thing going on where they <laughs> the prior eyes open. No, it was it was definitely – I did it to myself. Okay. <laughs> You know, I was a fan of rock music, mm-hmm. particularly in high school, and yeah. this was one of the few movies about it. Right. Like, there were other movies, like Bill and Ted, they mm-hmm. were in a band. Yeah. There was stuff like Almost Famous would come out way later. There was Yeah, you didn't have, like, a school of rock or anything back then. No, there was Wayne's World, but there wasn't, yeah. like, a lot of movies about, like, rock or that had like good rock music and for me it was really hard to get any of that sort of stuff so i kind of was really into this movie right it hit a few sweet spots for me but also yeah it was a great cast i already was a big fan of steve buscemi when i saw it because i had seen some of like the uh sort of old independent weird quirky movies that he was doing really yeah like living in oblivion that's awesome. I like knew I, I first saw Steve Buscemi in this movie. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm convinced. Well, this is one of his earliest films. Yeah. He had already done Reservoir Dogs, right? But he, he was yet to do Fargo, I think. Mm-hmm. So, and when I saw when I when I rewatched this movie, I like I was like, oh, that's why he's in those Adam Sandler movies and those like bit parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was where it all started. Yeah. But so I I did enjoy this movie. I can admit that it's not a great movie. Yes. Like, it is not, it's not Citizen Kane. Yeah, well, and we'll talk about the dated things about it. There are definitely <laughs> some things that are uh, dated about it. But it also just made me feel uncomfortable while watching. Like, I was like, oh, this is, why would you even go there? And now yeah. you're sitting in it. Like, yes. oh, it was, yeah, it was weird. Yeah. But at the same time, I, uh, I was excited to watch it again because, mm-hmm. uh, to revisit, like, the spirit of rock and roll. And also, I should mention, the other reason why we were talking about doing this movie was because Adam Sandler, who, mm. up until six months ago, we were all like, yeah, Adam Sandler, he's doing the movies, <laughs> he's making 50 movies on Netflix, and they all take place in Hawaii with Kevin James and David Spade, and <laughs> I hope he's having a lot of fun. But yeah. now, yeah, Uncut Gems... He's transformed himself. A lot of people said he should have been nominated for an Oscar, and right. he wasn't. Yeah, snubbed. But a lot of people now see how great he can be in movies that uh, aren't of his own design. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, he makes a certain type of movie, but he is a good actor otherwise. Yeah. And, I mean, he's proven that before in Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rain Over Me was one that he did. I don't did. know. Uh, there's one that he did that he was, like, serviceable Punch in. Punch Drunk Love is amazing. <laughs> Rain Over Me, I think, uh, I think that wouldn't hold up to scrutiny. Yeah. But this was one of Adam Sandler's earliest roles, so I thought we should go back and see if we can see the spark. Yeah. of what would lead to his success in Uncut Jabs. And there are definitely some moments that make me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> so that's a similarity. That's the spark, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great. So for our audience who might have, uh, you know, not grown up when we did. Wh- yeah, or headbanged the memory of <laughs> Airheads away. <laughs> right. What is this movie? Let's run it down for, for our listeners right here, right now. Okay, so it starts with this long-haired dude. He is trying to break into the Palantine Records building. And he, you know, he's pretending to be like a courier, and he gets in there, and... And he's good at it, because he's an actor. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right. He's Brendan Fraser. (laughs) It is Brendan Fraser, pre-Mummy, pre-Encino Man, I believe. (laughs) Oh, he's a versatile thespian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's played uh, kind of like a, a dumb dude with long hair. A dumb dude with shoulder-length hair. <laughs> <laughs> He's really run the gamut. No, but that's not fair. He was also – he did some really good stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. And also I hear he does good stuff now. He's like, you know, back working. Yeah. Yeah, he felt like kind of maligned by Hollywood. Like no one would give him a role anymore and was kind of just sad about it. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. everyone thought something happened. But he was like, no, I just stopped working. Which is kind of really sad. But wasn't there a thing – I'll cut this out if it's not true. But wasn't there a thing about him being like sexually assaulted or something? Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I hadn't heard of that. But he manages to get to this executive and tries to hand him off his demo tape. But the executive, played by Judd Nelson, mm-hmm. says that he can't take it. It's unsolicited material and there's nothing he can do. So – He's busted. It's it's not going to work. Right. He gets so thrown he, out. So he goes back home and then he, we see kind of his life. He has this kind of rocker girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a bad boyfriend and bad roommate. Just uh, Oh, bad roommate. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, he puts his stuff into the toilet. That's not nice. You have to yeah, respect people's fair. things. You that's know? fair. That's but she is uh, a little uh, abusive <laughs> with the headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah. headbutt your significant others. Yes. Yeah. Even if they're a bad roommate. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know. Leave a note. Leave a note. Passive yeah. aggression is the way to go, I found. <laughs> yeah. Aggression, aggression. That'll just wind up in jail. Hey, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Calling your significant other buddy. Hey, buddy. Don't leave the toilet seat up. I fell in last night. But, yeah, his life is not so great because, yes, he wants to live this rock and roll lifestyle. He's got this great band, he says, called the Lone Rangers. Right. And everyone makes a big point that the Lone Ranger is the Lone Ranger. So why would there be multiples? Yeah, it seems. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there's, there has been multiple Lone Rangers. It was played by lots of different people throughout time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There you go. And And – I think it would have been a way better joke if they just never said anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> they keep on bringing it up, though. They're like, this is one joke that will sell. Let's keep on hammering it home. <laughs> this we, is the one that's going to make it. Yeah, people are going to laugh the third time we bring it up. 
<laughs> but he doesn't want to get a job and do anything that distracts from his rock and roll. Yeah, his jobs are lame, man. They are, dude. Yeah, dude, you don't even know. He should have gotten a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that'll right. pay all the bills. <laughs> are you kidding? I'm only doing this to put my demo on air. <laughs> can you play this eight and a half inch tape? <laughs> no one can. Wait, eight and a half inch. <laughs> <laughs> Men always think it's bigger. <laughs> But, yeah, it's not going well for him. But, you know, it's not all bad because he's got his bros in his band. He has two two cool friends. Yeah, he has Rex, played by Steve Buscemi, who's looking pretty, like, rock and roll with his goatee and his, like, slightly feathered hair. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's done, like, a blowout on his hair. And we also have Adam Sandler's midriff. (laughs) (laughs) Adam Sandler was ripped at one point in his life. I mean, to be fair, we do see a lot of Adam Sandler's midriff through his shirt right now, right? Like, that's kind of the, like, the characters right. he's playing yeah. now. The midriff has changed. <laughs> yeah. I heard him on, uh, on the uh, Hollywood Reporter kind of actors roundtable, and, and they were like, asked all these serious actors, you know, what would you give? What advice would you give, like, a young actor, your younger self? And, uh, people were like, you know, hang in there. And other people were like, you know, don't, don't quit. Keep on going. And he was like, Stretch. You got to stretch because uh, I'm out of shape and I don't want to be. <laughs> He's like, I can't pick up the basketball off the court when I play basketball. <laughs> I was like, oh, poor Adam Sandler. Yeah, that's rough. But, I mean, he's uh, he's looking pretty good in this movie. And I think I know. Like, they even give him like a little bit of like an eye candy moment. Oh, yeah, where he like puts his toque over his junk. Yeah, it's like a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. <laughs> Yeah, but he's he's looking he's looking good. Yeah. Yeah. But so they don't know what to do because the band can't get an album deal no. if they can't get played on the radio. And it just so happens that uh, Steve Buscemi works at this store where he steals toys that look like guns. <laughs> um, which is just a like a weird setup. Usually criminals that want to do things get just go to the store and buy the gun. Yeah, he's already stealing. He has a collection. Yeah, yeah, it's very weird. And they fill it with chili water. Yeah, or something like that. Red hot chili water. Yeah, that's right. That was the original name of the band, <laughs> but then they, you know, didn't yeah. go over very well. Yeah, that'll never be famous. Flea came up with the peppers thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, they then kind of, you know, they're on the last legs as a band. They need a big push. And uh, they see these other bands kind of rising to the top yeah. because they got airplay. Mm-hmm. And if they get airplay, then they can attract the Judd Nelsons of the world to come to their side and sign a deal with them. That's right. So they decide to just break into the radio station yep. and then force them to play this tape. Right. And it seems like a sound plan when you say it out loud. <laughs> but they don't really have – much of an idea of how they're going to pull this off. So look, all we got to do is get them to play the tape, and we're golden. This is never going to work. Pip, damn it, what is your problem? Remember that guy, Doper Greg? Remember that guy, man? He used to blow bomb hits in his iguana's face and try to make the thing watch cartoons with him all the time. So what? Will you shut up? Just get to the point. What? 
Well, he won this radio giveaway, and when he went down to the station, they wouldn't let him in the building. It was like this total security building. They slid his tickets through this little slot with, like, salad tongue things. Oh, so just because that anus couldn't get in, does that mean that we can't? Anybody gives us any static, I shove this in their face. At first, they go to the entrance, and they put Adam Sandler's bank card in the card reader. <laughs> they get him to key in his code, too, which I thought was pretty good. He seems to be the smartest of all of them, though, because he doesn't want to give them his code. Yeah. You know? It's so that's, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Protect that, yourself. That's right. Many a band has been screwed over by bank <laughs> fraud. Yeah, <laughs> giving the drummer your PIN number. Oh, don't trust the drummer. <laughs> don't trust the drummer. Yeah. I, I also forgot to mention that Adam Sandler's character's name is Pip, presumably because they have great expectations for him. <laughs> huh? Uh-huh. Or he's going to be the three background singers of the band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that could also be good. <laughs> so they sort of go in, and they just sort of like go into the DJ booth, mm-hmm. and they start start to try to convince this guy to play their tape. And they don't have the guns out at first. No, no, the guns are kind of away in bags. And I love how the guy is like, hey, how'd you get in here? There's so many locks on every door. But once they were past the first door, they just, every, it was easy. Yeah. They just got in. Yeah. There's no locks. No locks. Come on, man. So they try to convince this guy, who is kind of, you know, he likes music. Yeah, he's a DJ. He's like one of those, like, cool DJs. Yeah. Like, he's fighting against the system and the man, and the man wants to play all this, but he wants to give them what the people want. Yeah, oh man, he would hate radio nowadays, where it's just like, a a machine tells you what to play? Oh yeah, he would be dead. (laughs) It'd be awful. No. Howard Stern had to become a nice person. That's that's how much radio has died. (laughs) He had to mellow out. He's like, oh man, I better stop being a dick to people, or I'm not gonna have a job. (laughs) Nobody's just going to put up with me because I'm the only thing to listen to. That's, I mean, there's probably yeah, there's more merit than that. But, you know, it was of a time. Of a time. And so is this movie, to be yeah. uh, completely fair. Yeah, but at the same time, there's this uh, sleazy executive played by Michael McKean. Yeah. And he doesn't want to let them play this tape. On the air. And he, he tries to throw everybody out of the studio. And, you know, Steve Buscemi's, like, going to, like, rough him up. And that's where the guns, the fake guns, come out. Yeah. And, uh, and the spice situation... up the situation. <laughs> that's right. Were you about to say that? I was going to say it escalates. Yours is more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're in kind of a hostage situation. Hostage-esque. They, yeah, they do call the cops. The cops are called. And then they try to escape... The building, uh, but the cops are already out there. Yeah, and Adam right. Sandler has this kind of weird mirror game with the police officer at one point. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. But they agree to play the tape, except the only copy of the tape they have is this, like you know, like quarter inch tape, mm-hmm. like all wound up in like a box. This is like dinosaur physical media they have no way to play this and so they have to like go get a tape player repaired (laughs) and the guy who is the guy who has to repair the tape player he is not having any of this bullshit (laughs) no 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 there's some racial tension in the office uh right away oh yeah 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 let's play a clip of that white man with a gun same shit been happening to my people for 425 some odd years. Hey, you like working here, man? We're down, man. Hendrix was God. 
You want to take a step back? You standing on my dick, man. Yeah, I seen uh, Anthrax and Public Enemy. That was out of control, man. Together, you know. You catch that one, G? Don't call me G. What do you want me to call you? Hey, come on. All right. That's it. I can't wait for you to put that gun down, because when you do, you and me, me and you, we're going to throw down. I'm glad we had the clip that it was on the right medium for us to play it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I had to call my girlfriend to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Off the also, road? Also, it smells like dog pee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, Reg E. Kathy, mm-hmm. who's playing that guy, right. who, who's, like, hilarious in he's this movie. He's fun. Yeah, he's so much fun in this movie. Yeah, but also, like, yeah, he's the only guy who has the appropriate reaction to this situation. <laughs> it's like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't get paid enough. Yeah. yeah. But uh, other stuff is also going on. There are other people there. We have David Arquette, for some reason, with his hair dyed platinum blonde, again, for some reason. Yeah, he uh, he's kind of like the their biggest audience, their, like their example of their audience, right? The the, the lone, lone rangers is what they're called. Yeah. So he, he's kind of like the guy that's like totally deadhead, a total airhead, like this movie's title, and just wants to like rock, just wants to like, you know, really take it to the man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. David Arquette is okay, I guess. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, I don't know how much he's acting. Uh, let's just put it that way. Yeah. In this movie. Like, you know what? Now David Arquette is a wrestler where he is much uh, better suited to getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I didn't know this. David Arquette's a wrestler. He's now. a wrestler. <laughs> what? Yeah. He's a professional wrestler now. That's insane. It is insane. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, yeah. Like uh, also like – I mean I don't watch wrestling anymore. But a lot of people are, are really into it and that's cool. And, you know, it's, a, it's an art form. But yeah. also like – Freddie Prince Jr., I think, writes for WWE or something like that. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hollywood's taken over. Yeah, all your favorite 90s <laughs> <laughs> scream-adjacent <laughs> celebrities. Oh, man. You know, yeah, Nev Campbell is just... Steel chair to the head. <laughs> <laughs> the con- concussion. She some glow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be good. Yeah. She would be awesome. <laughs> She'd be pretty great. Yeah. What else has happened? There's also Michael Richards is in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. And he's not the one that's uncomfortable with race in this movie, which, <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> which is which is the weirdest part. He he plays the kind of send up parody of Die Hard movie where he goes into mm-hmm. the vents, catches himself on fire with the lighter that he has, and communicates with the police officer outside. Mm-hmm. And tries to like really befriend him and tries to get him. To take over the situation. Yeah, that's right. There's a SWAT guy out there. And there's also, like, we see the classic, there's two different departments of the law and they refuse to work together. And there's right. the one guy who's, like, overzealous. And then there's the other guy who is, of course, played by Ernie Hudson. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that means that this movie has two fucking Ghostbusters. 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 <laughs> you really, you really went Canadian on that. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Eh? Well, it's a Canadian film, eh? Yeah, I Ivan Reitman. <laughs> Ivan Reitman. Oh, I bought some shoes from Reitman's, and the ghosts were in them. Oh, really? <laughs> eh? Oh no, that's that's some that's some bad bad stuff, man. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> but it's good to see him too. 
Yeah, he uh, he kind of plays this guy that's trying to pretend to be a record executive, and they ask him some skill testing questions about rock music, and he does not pass the test. Oh no! I mean, and this is like a huge scene. Mm-hmm. You know, they decide to test him first by asking like which side he fell on the Van Halen split. Right. I, I'm I'm assuming that's a piece of geography. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a Soviet satellite state. <laughs> <laughs> but the second question is, who would win in a wrestling match between Lemmy and God? <laughs> I'm still laughing about the Soviet <laughs> satellite state. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't get that one either because it's a trick question. It's a trick question because Lemmy is God. I, I don't understand that either. That, because, that seems like a very Nietzschean thing to say. You, you Is know, it philosophy? Uh, it's, it's a philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the philosophy of metal, man, because Lemmy. Blaine, Blaine. Let me explain something to you. Blaine, <laughs> have you heard the word of Motorhead? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the word Motorhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, Motorhead was like, you know, the most rockinest band okay. basically ever. And Lemmy was uh, basically the epitome of, of rock and metal music. Mm. He was the man. There's a great documentary called Lemmy, <laughs> which I will recommend to you so that you're, you can be educated on please, our savior. Please educate me. Uh, you're talking the past tense. Is Lemmy no longer with us? Yeah, sadly, uh, Lemmy passed away. He died just before all the other celebrities died. <laughs> you know, that year when yeah. they just all like, they were just gone. Yeah. 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 He died right before then. Uh, oh, but okay. I did get to see Motorhead in concert. Really? Yeah, just right before then. Cool. He looked like he was a bit sick. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. But Lemmy shows up in this movie. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Later on when they're having like the big moment and Brendan Fraser, he admits that he was a geek in high school. Right. Another guy says, hey, I played D&D. And oh. then Lemmy's the guy who says, and I edited the school yearbook. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Sweet. And it's awesome. I thought he was the guy that yelled out, and I masturbate too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, probably that too. Motor hand. Isn't that all of us? <laughs> 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 Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with D&D either. It's just not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't rock, man, until you play D&D. There's also some other cameos in this. Well, we're talking about the cast. There is mm-hmm. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, they make a call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they call in. There's also Rob Zombie and his band White Zombie. Oh. They're the band playing at the club when Chris Farley, he has to go at one point to find the second demo because the first demo is eaten up by the tape machine. Yeah. And so there's another demo that we're told exists. And just as we hear about its existence, we see Kayla, the girlfriend, throwing it out the window of mm-hmm. her car. Yeah, and that's one of the things we cut back to again and again is like how much this tape goes through over the course of the night being yeah. run over by cars and a dog peeing on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So because, you know, as part of like the conditions for not like blasting all these hostages, which I mean, just sort of reminds you of what a dire movie this is. <laughs> it's literally about a hostage situation. Like people could die. Yeah. And here we have Chris Farley. <laughs> 
Chris Farley is the is like one of the good cops, though. He's like actually a, a pretty good cop. He keeps his calm when people are trying to like entice him to violence, except mm-hmm. for one part where he really hurts a person. Well, Ernie Hudson tells him, you know, if he gets in any trouble to improvise. Right. So he goes to this club where White Zombie is playing. And he gets up on the stage and plays jazz. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Some Ornette Coleman shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he gets uh, kind of um, sidelined get- by these uh, they, thugs. Thugs, but like they look like they're kind of out of the Flintstones. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they're looking for Brado burgers. <laughs> and so they're, they're about to kind of beat him up, which I don't know why you would beat a cop up in a club. Yeah. Like, are you, are you trying to like join a, a gang idea. or something? Like, yeah. I don't know why they would do it. But he takes off someone's nipple ring. Doesn't take it off. He rips it off. It looks like he gently goes <laughs> he, over. He pulls out the <laughs> thing. <laughs> no, but it looks like he just comes off the guy's body. There's uh, no force that he. Uh, it, it... You wanted to see blood. You want to see that man's nipple fly off <laughs> and fall on the dance floor. Oh God! Be moshed over. <laughs> God, that that makes me feel ill to think. And then Rob Zombie would write a song about it. Yeah, nipple, nipple on the floor. <laughs> Nibble on the dance floor, the, the Rob Zombie hit. Oh, God. But he does kind of convince Kayla that uh, she needs to find the tape in order to save the hostages. Yeah, that's right. And so she does after her dog is beat on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they, she goes back. She finds the tape. She delivers it like like a hero considering how much of a douchebag Brendan <laughs> Fraser is. Yeah, but she probably knows that they wouldn't actually use real guns or something, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> she does also endanger all the hostages if she does think there's a gun by throwing a chair through the window and, just, and like, destroying the soundboard so they can't blast their music down yeah. anymore. She has anger problems. Yeah. Yeah. She should, she should talk to somebody. If your girlfriend is throwing a chair through the recording studio window, yeah. that, is, that is a sign that that is not a good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you can do better, Brendan Fraser. Uh, and we should say the same time. Listen to your mummy. <laughs> the same time this is going on, the DJ is finding out that the sleazy um, exec of this place is selling the station almost to be an easy listening station. Yeah, that's right. And he's going to fire everyone. They're not going to play any more rock music ever. Yeah. And it's just going to be shitty, crappy music, which uh, that would fucking suck, man. Yeah. That would harsh my buzz. It would harsh my buzz. And they they don't want to do that. So they like – they decide that they're going to like go out in style and they play like a bunch of rock music and mm-hmm. you know they're just going to keep rocking until the end. But also they decide – this is where they decide to like escalate the plan because mm-hmm. they can't play the tape. Right. They – nothing's working. So what they're going to have to do is – I guess the – I guess they, they, Jed, they, Jed they, Nelson comes back yeah. and he agrees to give them a contract which was part of their demands. Yeah. Brendan Fraser wanted to do it – you know, the real way by getting somebody to listen to the music and be like, yes, this fucking rocks. Yes, give them a deal, man. Yeah. But they do put it as part of the hostage demands uh, w- with other demands to make them look crazy like right. uh, a naked picture of B. Arthur. I don't think there's anything crazy about that. No, that's the sanest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. But so 
they get this record deal and they're going to get a chance to to play the song for everybody who's gathered outside the station yeah. during this hostage situation. Yeah, because he wants, you know, he he doesn't want to sign the deal because they haven't heard it, so he really wants to play it to everyone to show that they're worthy of this record. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the record con- – they already have like a camera crew there. They're mm-hmm. going to shoot a video. Yeah. So they just want them to lip sync. But that – that's not rock. That's it's fucking not rock. SNL, man. Yeah, man. This isn't Ashley Simpson. <laughs> Fuck that. Ugh. Yeah. So – So they refuse. Yeah. And they, uh, they kind of start a riot. Yeah. And they just crowd surf into history. Well, into prison. Yeah. <laughs> that's the next scene. <laughs> they, they crowd surf right into prison. But in prison – yeah. They get to rock because yeah. apparently part of their bail conditions or I don't know. I don't know how a lawyer would work this into a trial where <laughs> your people, not only do they get imprisoned in the same thing, but they can play, rehearse and perform rock music to record to then go on tour after their six month stint in prison for holding a bunch of people hostage, destroying a station. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, obstructing justice. But they became folk heroes. Right. So, right. That, you know, okay. they get to do whatever they – I mean, it's, it's rock and roll. <laughs> it's it's a weak comedy movie is what, is what it is. And that's it's why the plot rock and roll. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. their, their girlfriends are even there on the side dancing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then there's, uh, and then there's kind of like a gay panic moment with uh, Steve Buscemi. Oh yeah, that's right. When he uh, he 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 makes the bass guitar be his dick. Yeah. But and then he's like going to like fuck the audience with it. Right. Yeah. But then like Adam Sandler's like, dude, no. <laughs> right. And then the, the audience prisoners is primarily are just like, men. yeah. Well, and they're just yeah, they don't yeah. look into it. They don't like it. No. Yeah. I. I but like- you know what? There's nothing. There's nothing gay about being fucked by. Uh, a bassist bass guitar during a concert. <laughs> no, just uncomfortable, I'd say. <laughs> just slight discomfort. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, I've been made love to by Geezer Butler. <laughs> but th- there are other moments that are that are slightly uncomfortable in this movie, and I think we might want to get back to them in oh, the second part of this movie. Okay. But uh, okay, yeah. After this break. 
<laughs> cutting fine lines into his beard. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So I have some trivia questions for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't get them, we're going to brand you a poser. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to shoot me, so that's good. That's better than the hostage no, situation that I thought just, you were going to insinuate. Ch- chili oil in this uh, gun, so <laughs> okay, great. don't worry. It'll I'm, just be a massive amount of pain. I'm so bad with spice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are these questions? Okay, so this movie is the first of many films which feature both Steve Buscemi and Adam Sandler. Okay. There's been a lot where of Adam Sandler's movies where Steve Buscemi has shown up for a little cameo sure. or a part, and yeah. it's been like a great partnership. How many movies have they been in together, and can you name under half of them? <laughs> under half of them? I'm going to say they've been in f- five movies together Okay, because of how the question was phrased. That's wrong. Damn it. So let me tell you how many first. And then you can try to name them. Okay. 13 by my count. What are you fucking kidding me? No. 13? 13. Jesus Christ. Well, I know Billy Madison. Okay. That's one. It, <laughs> it's, uh, he's, oh, he's a wedding singer. Okay. That's two. Uh, there's um, – I should just name every Adam fucking Sandler movie. Go for it. There's Happy Gilmore. Uh, he's I'm, not in that one, dude. I'm Sorry, you lose. I'm opposed to the first one. <laughs> no, okay. you only get one wrong. <laughs> so, so what? What are they? What are the movies? Okay. So you were right with Billy Madison, the wedding singer. You missed Big Daddy. Okay. Mr. Deeds. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. I think a lot of people missed. I now pronounce <laughs> you Chuck and Larry. Grown ups. Okay. Grown ups. Duh. Uh, oh yeah. No, that's the went to cons. Hotel Transylvania, one, two, and three. What do you know? <laughs> All right. Sure. Fine. Be that way. The Cobbler. Okay. Ridiculous Six. Sure. And there's another movie called The Week Of that they're both in. Um, oh, yeah. That's like about a wedding. Yeah. 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 All right. That's a lot of movies. Yeah. That's too many movies. <laughs> That's a few. But I'm so glad they're friends. What a fruitful partnership came yeah. from this uh, from this movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I like it. I mean, just from what I know of Steve Buscemi, he seems like a pretty like down to earth, almost blue collar guy. And Adam Sandler, I think, is is I'm, as a multi millionaire, <laughs> yeah. probably in that sphere as well, or at least plays that audience um, and doesn't like. You know, pandered to them. No, you know, and so, uh, so I, I think they, yeah, they have some stuff in common. Yeah. Okay. So you did uh, pretty measly there. Okay. But I have Ron another chance for here. you to make up for it. Okay. With question number two. Okay. So director Michael Lehman was due to direct a, another movie around the same time, but unfortunately, due to airheads, he had to remove himself from directing the project, though he stayed on as an executive producer. It went to Tim Burton, name that film. It went to Tim Burton? Yeah, it was directed by Tim Burton instead. Which film oh, Jesus. was Michael Amon supposed to direct? Like, I mean, Tim Burton's films always seem to come from like deep within his soul, so it doesn't feel like anyone else would have directed it. But maybe, yeah, or like a remake of some old thing. Yeah, like maybe Batman or something like that? Or... Oh, interesting. Well, that's so far off. Okay. That's, <laughs> you're way off. No, All that's right. uh, 1980, was it 89 that Batman came out? Oh, Batman 2? I mean, still. 
<laughs> okay, what are you going to say? What is it? It was, in fact, Ed Wood. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, which is my favorite Tim Burton movie. You know, I've never seen it. Dude, you have to see Ed yeah, Wood. Yeah. It's a great movie. It stars Johnny Depp, and he's great in it. And, uh, yes, he's a controversial figure uh, right now. But uh, <laughs> Right now, <laughs> as always. Uh, but this movie's so good, I would say swallow yeah. swallow it and uh, and watch it. Cause, oh, yeah, because it's about Ed Wood. <laughs> Which side director. did you come down on in the herd depth split? <laughs> I'm staying way out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But Ed Wood is unimpeachable as a film. And, like, I think it's, like, Tim Burton's. You know, real masterpiece. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, yeah, and could have been totally different if uh, this guy had directed it. Of course, he was better known yeah. for directing Heathers. Yeah, I mean, that's like the one that had the most ratings on IMDb. I kind of looked through his films and right. I was like, this is the one that has a seven. Yeah. Everything else is kind of five and below. Yeah, everything after that, it didn't turn out so great. He's it's still like directed... Must Love Dogs and stuff like that. I think he did. Um, uh, maybe, yeah. yeah. He's done lots of TV. I think the most recent thing is... Uh, there's some sort of – I think it's called Whiskey 6-7 or something like that. It's okay. some sort of like army troops thing. But I, he also directed the first uh, – the pilot of the new Veronica Mars thing. So, yeah. But no, he never – this movie uh, didn't seem to do well for him. And we'll talk about why maybe his career suffered after this. Okay. So the third question. Oh, toi. Yeah, that's – don't get all – I mean, sorry. This movie – Made me almost be offensive. <laughs> I almost called you a, uh, a slang for uh, female genitalia that starts with a P. <laughs> Why wouldn't you just call me French? <laughs> All right. So what's the third question? So Rich Wilkes wrote the screenplay for this movie and it contains a reference to a to many rock bands. Okay. Many bands are all over this. Oh, I'm going to get this, this question. Okay. Yes. So, which rock biopic by a band whose member was mentioned in this movie did Rich Wilkes go on to write recently? It's a band biopic. One of the members is mentioned in this movie. What, like, was it uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody? Oh no, no, that's uh, that's not close, but uh, it is at least in the right genre. <laughs> <laughs> You're such an asshole. <laughs> no, what, what what was it like that? The what, snort? What was it called? <laughs> Snort. It's a better title. It's the dirt. <laughs> the dirt. The Motley Crew. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, the Motley okay. Crew uh, biopic. Crew. Of course, yeah. There's a line where Steve Buscemi's talking about Tommy Lee, and I, I said a member of Motley Crew, but also Tommy Lee's member also had its own screen time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm sure he used this movie on his resume to to get that job, which I didn't see the movie. It's apparently not very good. And no. uh, I don't really – not a big Motley Crue fan. So, sure. Um, so why see know, it? Why yeah, see it? But, uh, I, he, you know, Tommy Lee was such a – But would you have seen it if it was called Snort? <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, I like the I poster was like cocaine or – anyway, go on. <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh, I, I actually do have a um, – I think I have a bonus question, too. Oh, my God. Okay, this one's for all of it. I could win it all if I get this one. If you do get this one. Okay, I'm just making the rules up as I go. <laughs> so 
Which James Gunn co-written film features Lemmy from Motorhead? I just gave you a whole education on that guy. <laughs> you told me to watch the doc. <laughs> As narrator. So James Gunn movie is narrated by Lemmy. Oh, Jesus. I don't even know. I know like two James Gunn movies. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Two. <laughs> <laughs> no, well... He wrote or co-wrote Tromeo and Juliet. Oh, so he was in the Troma Pictures kind of Yeah, that's where James Gunn started. In fact, James Gunn's career, I mean, remember when he was canceled? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he, yeah, his early career was like pretty out there. And then they brought him back on Netflix. Wow. <laughs> he's, like a, he's like a TV show that everyone loves. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, like his early stuff was like really pushing the boundaries. Right. And yeah, but he had Lemmy narrate this movie, which I think is hilarious because Lemmy is God. Yeah. So, so good narrator. Yeah. Good yeah. narrator. So those were my questions. You did really bad, Blaine. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry, man. No, don't. I mean, you don't have to. You're out of the band. <laughs> okay. I'll show myself <laughs> to the door. <laughs> I do have some behind-the-scenes stuff about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, it was sort of written by Rich Wilkes. He had been a music journalist, and he'd done, like, a lot of rock writing. And he sort of found inspiration for this movie from Sidney Lumet's film, Dog Day Afternoon. Have mm-hmm. you seen that one? Yeah, I, I cannot believe that this that movie inspired this. It's but... the same thing! <laughs> <laughs> that... That movie was so progressive and interesting yeah. and storied and mm-hmm. deep. And this movie is, uh, well, none of those things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does seem like a stretch. But at the same time, while I was watching it, before I did any research, I did think like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like Dog Day Afternoon, but they have nothing good to shout like Attica. <laughs> Though at one point, at one point, Brendan Fraser just for some reason starts shouting Rodney King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Reggie Cathy's like, what's that supposed to mean? And Adam Sandler says, he's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is a good time to bring it. Adam Sandler's character at one point asks a character of color, like, why don't black people like me? <laughs> With his shaved head, <laughs> I like it's just it's just like a weird thing, um, and he tries to like it's it's just it's just kind of uncomfortable. Do I play a clip? Yeah, let's play. Why don't black people like me? Excuse me. Just you know, I listen to a lot of rap music, and I know how angry black people are, and I feel bad, you know, for all you guys kind of put up with. Well, that's very nice of you. How about when you go into a store and all the clerks start staring at you like you're going to rob the place and you're like, hey, I just want to buy something. I'm sorry, that's never happened to me. Does that happen to you? Huh? No. But uh, just saying, now it would be bad if it did. Look at Chaz out there doing his thing. Yeah, it's just uncomfortable. It's a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And it never comes back. No, it never comes back. There's no, like, learning from it. There's no... Adam Sandler getting something and being like, "Oh, I'm just, it's, I'm just <laughs> awkward. It's not a racial thing. <laughs> like, it's just, it just, they just sit in it and they just stew in it and they just make you have to sit in it too. It's just, yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie portrays the protagonists of this film, the uh, the Lone Rangers, as, uh, I mean, what's the word I can use? Um, airheads. Right. So. 
I, I'm not sure how much we're supposed to identify with them or how much we're supposed to be like, critical kind of, of them laugh or at them. laugh at them. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit of all three. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, like, they definitely, like, they play the racial tension between these guys and uh, the black people in the cast for laughs. I find it kind of funny mm. in an uncomfortable way. Like, at one point, <laughs> he says, like, oh, hey, like, you know, Anthrax did that song with Public Enemy. I thought that was pretty cool, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it seems like that's, like, a crazy thing to say. But yeah. at the same time, He's like— an airhead and— well, and, I mean, a lot of people, I think at that time, you know, races were not as uh, comfortable with each other. Or not, wait, not, not, let me put it, you know, just people weren't, uh, huh. a lot of metal people were a little bit racist. There was definitely some, you know, yeah. stuff happening. And while there were, like, examples, people, you'd be like, oh, I like Jimi Hendrix, or Living Color is a great band. At the same time, there weren't a lot of, like, you know, metal musicians of color. There are well, some notable yeah. exceptions like Kirk Hammett and Slash and... And, you know. and music still is being, like, marketed to certain demographics, right? So, like, we still have that now a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it seems very pronounced in this movie and uh, probably at the time as well. Well, yeah, it's for sure, like... Yeah, but I think the movie is aware of that and is playing with that. And it's yeah. sort of evidenced by, like, I think Reggie Cathy's character, mm-hmm. you know, just not wanting to put up with any yeah. of their, somebody would say, white bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, what these guys are doing is they've essentially decided to put everybody's life on the line so that they can, you know, because they believe in their music so much. And their music is uh, mediocre at best. Everybody knows that their music is mediocre at best. Yeah. You know, it's a dime a dozen. There's no, like, illusion that what these people are doing is, like, a good idea. Yeah, and the the thing that really got me in the movie was that Brendan Fraser, who's the character that, like, you know, is the main character and is supposed to change and is supposed to learn something, it, usually in a story, he keeps on saying like I, I want to get this on merit like I don't want to make the record deal part of the hostage demands like I want to want them to listen to it I want them to love it I want them to sign us yeah and then that never gets resolved because they only get famous because they took people hostage yeah and they get to be rock musicians but it's not because of the music mm-hmm. it's because of this like forced fake thing that happened yeah. to them. So it it kind of is a little depressing at the end of the movie. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it doesn't stay true to the rock and roll spirit. Yeah, he kind of sells out. Yeah. yeah. That's harsh, dude. I know. Yeah. Well, there's also some other stuff that I don't love about this movie. Like, there's lots of casual homophobia. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, very of the time, but still, like, it uh, sucks to hear. Like, yeah. uh, at one point... Brendan Fraser or Steve Buscemi, somebody calls somebody a bone smuggler. <laughs> I'm just going to just read them all because they're hilarious. No. Oh, God. But they're just, like, all in the script. And also, like, the movie is not, like, great towards women. Like, there is the one character who decides that she falls in love with uh, or is attracted to Adam Sandler's character. Yeah. And they end up having sex. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we see naked Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah. And then when she's done with that, she leaves the movie. 
because she she got them to that plot point, and that yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. So like, she's oh, good. We we saw her in her bra. The, that's good. The the movie's over for her. We can remove her. Yeah, <laughs> it was so like blatant. I was like, ah, that sucks. Yep, yep. yep. And then there's also. Brendan Fraser's girlfriend, who, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's a character. <laughs> in a movie? In a movie. In the 90s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not a great representation of women. No, not in this movie. Not in the 90s, probably, <laughs> overall. No, yeah. This movie happened before any of these people were really stars. Brendan Fraser was the first person they cast, but the studio was really not sure about Adam Sandler. Mm, They should have talked to Netflix. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, at the time, Netflix would have mailed them a CD or something. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the directors really had to push for him, and they they – said that uh, they don't think that he could have gotten paid more than $50,000 for this role. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. a, that's a more than a year's salary back then. I mean, it's still pretty good. I would take $50,000 if anybody's giving away $50,000. <laughs> Anybody. <laughs> but, I mean, he's, he is pretty good in this movie, though. It's not exactly up to his, like, uh, normal antics he has reined in a bit yeah yeah i think he's finding his footing and he is not you know his snl characters were so tested and true and he could take those into his own movies whereas this character seems like he was really trying not to be wayne's world and so that's hard he he felt like a little penned in Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the studio was also like very worried because this movie had a real potential to get fucking edgy oh yeah like at one point, they wanted Adam Sandler's character to have a neck tattoo. Oh. But the studio was like, whoa, man, put the brakes on that. What That's is he? too a, hardcore. Is he a sailor? <laughs> Don't do that. No, but, you know, like this was around the time the tattoos were really getting into, like, rock music. And, right. Uh, you know, but they thought it was too, too, too out there. They also put a big <laughs> veto on Steve Buscemi and Brendan Fraser's leather pants. Oh no, leather pants for for Buscemi <laughs> because uh, they were afraid. Yeah, of uh, him in leather pants. Who <laughs> who wouldn't be? <laughs> but Brendan Fraser said that he did get to wear leather pants for Monkey Bone, so good on him. <laughs> good. Yeah, there was a great. Uh, I should say a lot of uh, the stuff that I uh, researched was from this consequence of sound thing, the oral history of. Airheads. Really? Yeah. That's right. There was an oral history, (laughs) which was really great. But I also found some stuff. um, There was a great article by this guy, James Green Jr. on Hard Noise about the controversy over the Lone Ranger's song. Did you know anything about this? No, but I heard Adam Sandler singing on it. Did you? That's what I thought I heard. Oh, okay. Maybe he is. What was it? I heard Adam Sandler singing on one po- at one point. In he maybe movie. is. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. It's definitely Brendan Fraser singing it. But oh, okay. There was a big controversy because the people who wrote the song, it's originally by the band Reagan Youth, okay. who is a hardcore band from the 80s, and they gave it up around 89. But the producers found this song through a cover of that song by another band, and who called themselves Degenerated, but they didn't tell the movie studio that it was a cover. Oh, God. Yeah. And so they re-recorded it for this movie with uh, basically with like White Zombie backing Brendan Fraser. Jesus. 
That's awesome. That's what a, a super gig. group. Yeah. <laughs> But the people from Reagan Youth never got paid initially, and it was really tragic because the singer from that band. Well, that's trickle down economics for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are Reagan Youth. Yeah. yeah, but the singer for that band uh, tragically died just before this movie came out, and also it was following like the death of his mother and the murder of his girlfriend by a serial killer. What the fuck? Yeah. Jesus. So it seems like. So his mother died, his girlfriend got murdered by a serial killer, and then he died. Yeah. Jesus. And they didn't pay him for his song in this movie. That's, I, I mean, that's kind of a little salt on the wound, don't you think? Yeah, I just think if, you know, like if something bad has happened to somebody, then you make sure that they uh, are done right by. Yeah, like at least. Especially. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. And so they, and so his even his estate never got paid. And well, eventually they sued the band, and they got what they, you know, what they maybe call sarcastically Aerosmith money for it. Right. And okay. uh, and it was all sort of okay in the end. Man, but yeah, that band must have got sued both ways because the studio must have signed contracts with them. Like I don't know, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad for the degenerated. Degenerated. Yeah. I think that was the band, the band that uh, that no longer scammed. exists because no, I think they're still around. But you know who sort of discovered the thing, discovered the that discrepancy. Song? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, go on. It was Fat Mike from No FX. Really? Yeah, that's right. He saw well, the movie and he was like, "Hey, that's cool. A Reagan Youth cover in this song." And they're like, "Cover." Whoa! <laughs> We're done. We're over. <laughs> Our lives are over. Yeah, and like some of the other things, this movie's not like yeah. You see, it kind of it kind of sells out at the end. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's not, not the nicest ending for this movie. It's all about rock and roll. Like it, it feels like if you wanted to see a movie that this movie kind of purports to be and isn't, you you want to see what's that one with Christian Slater? Oh, pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. That's a great like radio movie. That's yeah, the best and it's one. and it's like rock and roll. He's playing all these songs and he's not selling out. And it's like pirate radio. I I love that movie. And I yeah. think this movie kind of wanted to like wade into those waters, but didn't want to get wet for sure. And I think that's uh, you can't. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get soaked there. Just to, just enjoy it. Get in there. Yeah. So Blaine, what did you think about Airheads rewatching it this time? I could never see this movie again and be all right. I I didn't really Damn. I didn't really like it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Some of the jokes that I thought that I remembered when I saw it again, I was just like, oh, those aren't as funny as I even remember them. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a young a youth, a Trump youth or something, um, you can <laughs> uh, you can uh, you can watch this movie and and enjoy it. But I, I revisiting it, I was like, oh, this really lost its luster and and to now think about the end of the movie and what it's saying and it just kind of yeah it, was, it doesn't have a good message it doesn't have a great message and it kind of it kind of sucked the ending sucked and i wanted a, a little bit more right. especially of chris farley oh. i could have used so much more of him he's so funny in this movie yeah and uh i love him in wayne's world as like the roadie yeah oh god he's so funny so good and yeah he he just could have been used so much better and i think now that you know he's gone Every time we see him, is so precious in movies. They're like, <laughs> oh, I want to see more. I want to yeah. see more. Well, we need to do some Chris Farley movies. I was thinking about that. Like yeah. Beverly Hills Cop, I'm sure oh, yeah. 100% holds up and is in no way racist. <laughs> Wait, Beverly Hills Ninja? 
Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure both statements are correct, though. Well, uh, we should do both of those, actually. Yeah, for sure. Beverly Hills Cop is we also a We should just do, thing. like, a Beverly Hills month. Yeah. Beverly, Be- Beverly Hills? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> we got it all. We got it squared away. So I, I, I want more of him, and it's, it's caught up in its 90s a bit too much. Mm. And I don't know. It, this movie couldn't be made now, not because of all the things surrounding it, just because the story. You know, you, you're not right. trying to get radio play anymore. You're trying to get Spotify hits yeah. and get paid point zero 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 three cents <laughs> per song listen and stuff. I made a dime. So there is the charm of this movie of uh, remembering a time when someone could make it big and make money on their art that way. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like the one thing that I was like, oh, this that's kind of charming. But yeah, even the comedic relief in this movie is like Michael Richards. It's just hard. Oh, yeah. This is hard to see. So. Oh, I kind, of, yeah, I kind of thought he was – I like the part where he uh, he's a, he has the real gun. Yeah. And he's like outside – he has his arm outside of the vent and he's trying to shoot them from inside. I mean his physical comedy is so he's funny. He's unparalleled. But, yeah. of course, there is like the whole like that racist His thing. verbal comedy on the <laughs> other hand. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> He's never going to so, live that down. So I'm going to say it's not rewatchable. Whoa. So I'm going to harsh buzz again, bro. Oh. What What did you think, Rob? As the person who's way more rock than I am. Uh, yeah. I mean, I still kind of liked it. Yeah? Okay. Some of it was still sort of fun. I still like that it's, uh, it's sort of a fun, dumb movie, but it doesn't try to be anything else. Mm. The cast is really good. Yeah, there's like so many like hold up at a radio station movies. Did you see the um, – is it the Andy Partridge movie? What's that guy's name? Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge. Yes. Oh, my God. Is that movie ever funny? Yeah, so good. But it's also about it's like so – isn't funny. it also about like a hold yes. up at the radio station? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it totally is. Yeah, mm. but it's funnier. It's yeah. funnier than this movie. And there's like talk radio. There's a bunch of – yeah, a bunch of movies that deal with like the radio waves and violence. Mm-hmm. You know? Like uh, The Fisher King. The Fisher King also yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, but I, some of this movie I think is still sort of fun. I like, I like the cast. Yeah, it, it sort of doesn't really like pass any sort of sniff test in terms <laughs> of uh, you know uh, the plot or – Smells like dog pee. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's the yeah. It fails the stiff test bad <laughs> on that one. But I think it's they're good performances. I think though, yeah. At the end of the day, it fails. And I think one way it fails is that like yes, the movie says that Lemmy is God. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then listen to me, Blaine. It miscredits Lemmy in the credits. It calls him Lemmy von Motorhead. That's not his name. It's Lemmy Kilmeister. <laughs> so if you're going to be metal, man, at least, like, fucking get the guy's name right. You know? Jesus Christ. So, this, this movie is all about misattributing things. Yes. The song, his name. Yes. Wow. Yes. I'm going to give it a mildly okay. rewatchable. All right. So a soft headbang. <laughs> I think that's an oxymoron. <laughs> but so are the guys in this movie. So. Well, there's something morons. <laughs> and that's rewatchability for this week. You can find us, all of our episodes, on Apple Podcasts. That's where you subscribe. And if you like the podcast, rate us. Mm-hmm. Only rate us five stars because to do anything less is not metal. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Tweet at us if you want us to cover a movie you can also go to rewatchability 
gmail.com and leave us a speak pipe message or send us an email at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us, which is also very fucking metal, <laughs> you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability yeah. or buy a rewatchability t-shirt at T Public. Just fucking rip the sleeves off of that, man. Who needs them? Like, you know, yeah. sun's out, guns out. Yeah, right? like no one's going to tell me how to wear a t-shirt. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes you got to wash your motorhead t-shirt. <laughs> Sometimes. And use Tide. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.